Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios. Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Wednesday evening where we continue our reflections into this special topic of mercy. And as I have highlighted over the past few days, uh, we are in wrap-up mode this week because here we are, uh, another topic, another night where we are wrapping up a series of reflections with a very specific theme, and of course the theme being mercy. So this is what we are about tonight wrapping up our reflections on this special topic of mercy, and we will do so with uh, Pope Francis. Now, before we get to that, I do want to first just continue to uh, thank all of you out there who are tuning in by way of podcast, and and specifically in those countries of Brazil, Argentina, uh, Chile, Mexico, uh, over in Western Europe, Italy, Portugal, Spain, France, Germany. I continue to see in the index feed that we have listeners in South Africa, India, China, Japan. So again, it is just a very warm thank you to all of you who are taking time out of your busy schedules to reflect with me here on Seeds of Truth. And we talk about so many different things. And I do get your emails wanting to talk about the many different things. And so I am grateful for all of that. Also, I wanted to continue to encourage all of you to uh, drop me an email to send me a message if you have any special request on, on any special theme or topic. As I have already heard from you and, and I am accumulating more ideas on what to do with uh, some of these programs, I do want to hear from you. I know a lot of you are requesting um, that I treat a gospel from start to finish or, or treat an epistle from start to finish. And that helps me to hear from you to know that that is what you want. You are the listener. While there is certain subject matter that is close to my heart, and I make that executive decision right to, to take on some of that subject matter, I really do want to hear from you. Um, we treat different themes for a reason, but if for one reason or another you are really wanting me to, to hit uh, a gospel or an epistle or maybe the book of Revelation, I will certainly do that, and, and I think that might be where we are headed. But again, I, I do throw it out to you if there are any more requests please send me a message, drop an email. Again, that's J-H-O-L-L-J-M-J at yahoo.com. Or you can go to my website at joeholcraft.org, hit the contact link button there, and send your uh, request, comment, observation on its way. Very good. Now, as I've already noted, as we continue our wrap-up of this special topic of mercy, we do so with some reflections um, that come to us from Pope Francis and I'm going to really uh, focus in on Mary this evening, huh? Mary as the Queen of Mercy, as Pope Francis puts a special emphasis on her as Queen of Mercy in his Bull of Indiction we talked about last week, his letter, which really set the tone for this extraordinary Jubilee year of mercy. And uh, out from that, I will offer up some closing remarks. Now, before we go there, I do want to revisit what we were talking about at the end of our time together last week, and that subject matter of going on a pilgrimage and its relationship to mercy. 
So it was in paragraph 14 that Pope Francis had this to say. The practice of pilgrimage has a special place in the holy year because it represents the journey each of us makes in this life. Life itself is a pilgrimage, a pilgrim traveling along the road, making his way to the desired destination. Similarly, to reach the holy door in Rome or in any other place in the world, everyone, each according to his or her ability, will have to make a pilgrimage. This will be a sign that mercy is also a goal to reach and requires dedication and sacrifice. May pilgrimage be an impetus to conversion. By crossing the threshold of the holy door, we will find the strength to embrace God's mercy and dedicate ourselves to being merciful with others as the Father has been with us. Now, this line from our Holy Father, this will be a sign that mercy is also a goal to reach and requires dedication and sacrifice. My dear friends, <laughs> mercy is also a goal, and if we are to achieve this goal, we are going to, well, what did Pope Francis say? Make sacrifices. So on one hand, it is a gift we receive from the Father, and on the other, it is a gift to share in the gift of mercy that must pass through sacrifice. Mindful that sacrifice, coming from that Latin sacrum fice, literally translates as to make holy. Brothers and sisters in Christ, mercy makes us holy because if it is being lived as Christ teaches us on the cross, then indeed it embodies sacrifice. And again, as Pope Francis wants us to come to understand and appreciate, this is to be seen as a pilgrimage. Life itself is a pilgrimage, huh? a pilgrimage where our holy destination is the very heart of the Father, the sacred heart of Jesus Christ. So something to think about as we continue our reflections on mercy, and I know this is something that for a number of you, it really struck you. That being said, I now want to turn our attention to Mary as the Queen of Mercy, as Pope Francis makes a point to emphasize that it is mercy that links Mary with Jesus throughout the gospel. Now, if we're going to do this right, we must start with the visitation, huh? In the visitation account from Mary to her cousin Elizabeth, we read in Luke chapter 1, verse 39, the following. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country, to a city of Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb. I love that verse. Just by way of footnote, my friends, the Greek word there for leaping is skirtal. So here, Elizabeth's experience parallels that of Rebecca in Genesis 25. Just as Rebecca's experience signaled the preeminence of Jacob over Esau, so does Elizabeth's experience signal the preeminence of Jesus over the elder John, huh? Okay, so the visitation narrative continues. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the voice of your greeting came to my ears, the babe in my womb leaped for joy. Mm, striking. Now, this title, Mother of my Lord, 
is a title seen all throughout the Old Testament and also the ancient Near East. Now, where might we find this title, the mother of my Lord, in the Old Testament? Or in the Hebrew, Gabira, which literally translates as the great lady? Well, we should look no further than King Solomon himself, huh? Let me first say this. As Israel established themselves as a kingdom like other nations, they established a dynasty. They established a legal system. They established a royal court. And if you establish all of those things, what else do you establish? But a queen mother, who was always the mother of the king, otherwise known as, again, the great lady. David's first successor, Solomon, reigned with his mother Bathsheba, right? At his right hand. In point of fact, Israel's queen mother would appear all throughout the history of the monarchy to the very end. Now, the great lady was more than a title, but my friends, in office with very real authority. Consider the passage that comes to us from 1 Kings chapter 2, verses 19 to 20. Now, I want to read this. You want to pull out your Bibles? 1 Kings chapter 2, verses 19 to 20. So Bathsheba went to King Solomon to speak to him on behalf of Adonijah. And the king rose to meet her and bowed down to her. Then he sat on his throne and had a seat brought for the king's mother, and she sat on his right. Then she said, I have one small request to make of you. Do not refuse me. And the king said to her, Make your request, my mother, for I will not refuse you. Wow! <laughs> Did you hear that? Let us consider now several things from this passage. First, that her son was approaching her son king on behalf of another person. Huh? This was the norm in ancient courts as the great lady was also known as an intercessor and an advocate for the people she served. Second, that Solomon rose as she entered the room and shows further respect by bowing down before her and by seating her in the place of greatest honor at his right hand. Now, these actions not only record what would be court ritual of Solomon's time, but a reflection of a very real relationship between the two, right? And we should also say that in this action, the king's authority was never threatened. He remains the monarch, right? She sat at his right hand, not vice versa. Now, what's interesting about this scene is that up to this point, we are to understand that Solomon must have had a track record of granting her requests, right? What does Adonijah say? Pray, ask King Solomon. He will not refuse you. What does that suggest? That suggests that he has a reason, right, to believe that the king would not undermine or deny the request of the queen mother. In this case, of course, Bathsheba. Brothers and sisters, Bathsheba was an agent of mercy. And in so many ways, we are made to see her as a prototype of Mary, who is the new queen mother, the new great lady, the new mother of the king. It should be said plainly. 
the great lady was seen as an advocate for mercy. And so it is right that Pope Francis, like his predecessors before him, call Mary Mother of Mercy. And oh, by the way, from the Catholic vantage point, which also includes the biblical vantage point that we are talking about right now, this is why we believe it is right to pray to Mary, because she's so close to her son. Huh? And just as we might ask one another to pray for us, to go to Jesus, to go to the throne room of grace, and to intercede on our behalf for the things that we might be attached to or for the things that might be troubling us, so too should we consider going to the one who was closest to our Lord, that she might take our requests and present them to the king, just as Queen Bathsheba presented Adonijah's request to King Solomon. Mm. It is fitting that we are given this great lady as our mother at the foot of the cross, huh? As she, in the words of Pope Francis from paragraph 24 of this bowl of indiction we've been talking about, attests that the mercy of the Son of God knows no bounds and extends to everyone. Has that not been a highlight for our time together on this special topic of mercy? That no matter what you've done, God is still going to love you. And he desires to give you this love. In point of fact, God is attracted to our brokenness. God is attracted to our brokenness. And so again, for all this, it is right that we might address Mary in the great words that we find in the Save Regina. Holy Queen, right? A prayer ever agent, ever new, so that she may never tire of turning her merciful eyes upon us and make us worthy to contemplate the face of mercy, her son Jesus. Recall our reflection from a week ago, huh? That among all the many truths about Mary, there remains one that has always gripped me, and that is what? That God becomes the son, the son grows up to be a man, the mother of the son watches the God-man die on the cross, and the God of history, who has ransomed himself for many, now gives every man from the crucifixion onward, a mother to better contemplate the meaning of the Son who is God. Ah, you know, this past week, I found myself in more than one discussion on a point I made here on Seeds of Truth about the importance of receiving Mary as our mother on the cross and from the cross. I mean, think about it carefully. Have we not heard it said that what individuals say during their closing hours of life reveals what is closest to their heart, huh? I mean, as it often happens, those people who know death is on the horizon often prepare what? Letters, speeches, or some, some words of wisdom for those closest to them. And certainly this makes sense, right? But again, what of God's death? Here, the eternal mind contemplates what he deems his greatest treasure, the humble person of Mary of Nazareth. Essentially, my friends, our Lord wishes to use the most bewildering event in human history 
an event that has drawn the attention of writers, poets, artists, and all the rest to give us his mother as our own. Simply put, God knows that we are looking, and so he urges us to pay close attention to what he's about to say in those verses that come to us from John chapter 19, verses 26 to 27. Woman, behold your son. Then he said to his disciple, behold your mother. Mm. And like John, we too are called to do what he did, take her into our home, right? And when we do that, my friends, we take into our hearts the model disciple, the one who helps disciple us to be better agents of mercy. Amen. Now, as we really look to wrap up our series of Reflections on Mercy, I would like to do so with some words from our Pope Emeritus, Benedict XVI, from his work, Caritas and Veritate, Charity and Truth. He says this, Charity is love received and given. It is grace, huh? caris. Its source is the wellspring of the Father's love for the Son in the Holy Spirit. Love comes down to us from the Son. It is, and I love this, creative love through which we have our being. It is redemptive love through which we are recreated. Love is revealed and made present by Christ and poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. As the objects of God's love, men and women become subjects of charity. They are called to make themselves instruments of grace so as to pour forth God's charity and to weave networks of charity. Brothers and sisters, if there is anything we are to take from our time together, it is the need to see the threefold vision of mercy. That is, to first receive the gift of mercy. Second, trust in the gift of mercy. And third, share that gift of mercy in both the works of mercy and the catechesis that is so necessary in this age that is either so uninformed or misinformed of God's mercy. And as Benedict put it so well, and I tell you, there are few sentences <laughs> that have caught my attention than this one. As the objects of God's love, men and women become subjects of charity. They are called to make themselves instruments of grace so as to pour forth God's charity and to weave networks of charity. You know, my friends, every single act of charity we perform is an act that brings the body of Christ closer together. And there is great power in that, is there not? I mean, think of it. Every little humble act that maybe no one else sees, but only God, is an act that binds. Why? Because the very nature of love is to bind, is it not? Conversely, this is what is so problematic about sin, right? Because if charity binds, sin unbinds. If charity brings order and unity, then sin brings disorder and disunity. 
This is why this paragraph is so important, to understand that we have been given this great gift of absolute and unconditional love that we are called to receive and ultimately become instruments of, bringing about a network of charity. A network of charity. And every little act is another thread woven. Huh? If our life is to be seen within this context, we are to build a tapestry, if you will, of Jesus Christ himself. That every act becomes another thread that brings together the picture that is the person of Jesus Christ and the church that he came to establish. What do I mean? Well, all you have to think about is the saint that is going to be canonized here in a few short weeks, St. Teresa of Calcutta. You see, every single act of charity that she performed brought about a deeper impression, if you will, of what Jesus Christ looks like. And the more acts of charity that she performed, the deeper the impression of Jesus Christ we were able to see. And this is evangelization. This is the power behind just not the spiritual works of mercy, but also the corporal works of mercy, and certainly something that has been highlighted on this special topic over the course of the last three to four months, right? As the objects of God's love, men and women become subjects of charity. And when we receive this charity, we weave networks of charity. There is no one greater truth about God's love as it, as it relates to our relationship with it that we can never actually possess it, right? We can never possess God's love. This has been a huge point of conversation with so many different people because for some of us it is troubling. Well, Joe, I'm in a living relationship with Jesus Christ. Does that not mean that I possess God? Yeah, it means that you have God living inside of you, but you must take the next step. It is never enough to have Jesus Christ inside of you. What is our baptismal call? To just be in God? No, but also to exist for other. And yes, we can only exist for other if we are first in God. But that doesn't mean we don't exist for other, right? So we have this call to become networks of charity. And we do when we come to understand that the God who lives inside of us is a God who is unconditional love. That is to say, Love that is not conditioned to what people say about me. Love that is not conditioned to what people do to me. But for the sake of love, which is, again, to will the good of the other, you pour yourself out in sacrifice. You pour yourself out in mercy. You become a libation. I know there are tough words from Jesus Christ when he says, imitate me. But hey, it's not me. <laughs> it's Jesus Christ who says it. And in saying it, he puts forth a challenge. And every single challenge, no matter what you do and no matter what walk of life you travel, is going to bring out the best in you. Again, the very word challenge means to call forth, to call out. When we embrace our challenges, we become the best version of who God is calling us to be. And the challenge before us now as Christians in 2016, a challenge that has been echoed in history is to what? Imitate me. And if we think it is impossible, you're right. It is. By yourself. 
<laughs> right? You know, we use that phrase, nothing is impossible with God. Have we internalized what that means? Nothing is impossible with God. Why does Jesus say so often your faith has saved you? Because to that person, all throughout the gospel, the blind man, the beggar, the Roman centurion, your faith has saved you. He wants us to see what? He wants us to see that in faith, nothing is impossible with God. And so, my friends, it really is important that we internalize what we are saying when we are talking about the greatness of God's love and what we can achieve when we have faith in the greatness of God's love. Okay, I'm looking up at the clock and we are out of time. I did want to close with this prayer to uh, the Blessed Virgin Mary, a prayer that I closed with last week on another program. So we do wrap up this special topic of mercy uh, with this prayer to Mary. So we close in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Mary, Virgin and Mother, you who, moved by the Holy Spirit, welcomed the word of life in the depths of your humble faith. As you gave yourself completely to the Eternal One, help us to say our own yes to the urgent call as pressing as ever to proclaim the good news of Jesus. Filled with Christ's presence, you brought joy to John the Baptist, making him exalt in the womb of his mother, brimming over with joy. You sang of the great things done by God. Standing at the foot of the cross with unyielding faith, you received the joyful comfort of the resurrection and joined the disciple in awaiting the Spirit so that the evangelizing church might be born. Obtain for us now a new ardor born of the resurrection that we may bring to all the gospel of life which triumphs over death. Give us a holy courage to seek new paths, that the gift of unfolding beauty may reach every man and every woman. Virgin of listening and contemplation, mother of love, bride of the eternal wedding feast, pray for the church, whose pure icon you are, that she may never be closed in on herself or lose her passion for establishing God's kingdom. Star of the new evangelization, Help us to bear radiant witness to communion, service, ardent and generous faith, justice and love of the poor, that the joy of the gospel may reach to the ends of the earth, illuminating even the fringes of our world. Mother of the living gospel, wellspring of happiness for God's little ones, pray for us. Amen and alleluia. All glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 5.30 here on KKXX. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.